0: Good friends at United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way 10-12 to Monday through Friday. That's Eastern Time. You can find us as always. Just go to YouTube, the Chatterbox Sports page, if you'd rather join us in podcast form. Many thousands of you do daily, and we appreciate it. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Let me know, Casey, when we have our main man. I'll let you know here in a second. All right. We're waiting on Brian Billick. To talk about what's happening around the nfl former super bowl winning head coach coming up later in the program we have luke mailey big time from the Cincinnati reds the mailman captain america i did not realize until i read the article by c trent rosecrans i thought it was jonathan india who had that america's team thing it was actually luke mailey and we'll ask him about that today all right let's get right to it he's a very busy man in high demand Um, across the globe. Brian Billick, a pleasant good Tuesday morning to you. How's everything?
1: Everything's going great. Beautiful here
0: in Columbus as well as there in Cincinnati. Life's good. Amen. Now, I got to ask you real quick uh, because, look, you were a guy, I remember we used to go to the NFL seminars together, and whoever was running uh, the uh, head of officials back in those days, and I'm drawing a blank on who it was, but they seemed like they had a Uh, a running relationship with you in all your years as a head coach. Now, all of a sudden, here we are. Officiating is what everybody seems to be talking about. It's one thing to sit around and start hammering guys and all that kind of thing. It's another thing to come up with solutions. I know you've thought about this through the years. What can be done to make it better? Well, you're right. We, in fact, we have a very close fiduciary uh, relationship and that <laughs> they have seventy five thousand dollars on my over money over the years. So uh, and just so yes. the people know they keep they do take that money now. That's not
1: just coasting. They find coach for
0: going after the officials or whatever, like that. And, um
1: I, I will say this,
0: I, I think on the whole and every year about this time we have the same. There, there there's, some there's some type of type call, some, of some series of calls, of call, where, where, where
2: different parts of the country are up in arms, on officiating officiation stair, they've got to do bad. something, something's change. Um, on, the on the whole, whole this is, this hard, is to hard to imagine coming out I think I the officiation is very, very, is very good. good. Um, um, I think um, when you go, go back and you look at the actual call
0: and you analyze it, for the most part, they're adding attitudes, the biggest difficulty I see. Uh, and the and biggest complaint, I may want, may want to argue that truck is the consistency, consistency one of the rhythm of the players
2: next. Now the legal way I view it, that, that, that they're close to staying, but but they're
3: not. They're in not that good. We will give work to our to our players every Wednesday night. That's the shady, shady crew because we have the toughness and Chris Holmes more pass passing
0: affairs. Chris Holmes more on the offensive holding. Um, you know, each case has search, searches, own
2: search perspectives, perspectives um, um, and, and, and the tries, tries to keep it successful, that's, that's, that's probably,
0: the probably, probably the most frustrating. frustrating. Yeah, the the yeah, idea uh, sorry, of sure adding an official official, well, well for me, for for me, me or you're, or you're just adding, adding some, some, and some of those, and those things mixed the next tomorrow. Tomorrow, in my opinion multi time officials. officials, I think all, I think all you're doing do is listening some the previous officials, officials that choose choose to just just officials not and not have a job job. Um, they, um, they they spend, spend a great deal of time, of time with it. I think I think, I think, think the, the reason system, system, system the way it is, is now. And Tom,
4: we, we talked talk, talk about this way back when. You and I were together. They finally got what where I was advocating from, from the get just, just let, let the, let the people, people in the booth in New
0: York settle, settle those calls on replay. They can get us faster and, and more effectively, more efficiently. Um, and, and I think we've gotten to that. So, so I know it's frustrating for fans because they're going to look at it and say, gee, this was a bad call, that was a bad call, uh, and there's going to be bad calls. But for the most part, I think the officiating is probably about
4: as good as we can get it.
0: Well, Brian, I understand we're having some uh, technical difficulties. I apologize with being able to uh, hear you. It's very staticky. I don't know why, but uh, we've been working on it and it's not working out. So I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, and go and thank you for all of that. And I apologize and we'll try to uh, jump on a little bit earlier next time to see if we have any of that. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us and uh, sorry for that because uh, it was very interesting if you were able to kind of get through what he was saying there. Uh, and it was tough. I was able to try to make some of it out. But the bottom line is, is uh, you know, look, you know, if, you, if you're talking about these guys, and it's always interesting when it's brought up about guys going full-time, NFL officials, mm-hmm. right? Like they do in baseball. That is their full-time job. They're paid year-round. They get benefits. They get 401K. They get all that stuff, right? Yeah. The umpires do not. I mean, the uh, football officials do not. They are not full-time. And most of those guys have really good jobs. And I think that's a point that Brian was making. You know, Ed Hockley all those years. I got to know Ed. He's an attorney out in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, these guys have real jobs that pay real money. Not that there's anything wrong with the money they're making officiating. I'm sure it's a decent chunk of change. But if I found it interesting Brian saying that if you wanted to go full-time, which that's the first, time, first thing a lot of people scream and holler about, that a lot of these guys gonna walk out the door.
5: Yeah, I, do do they ever do college games and NFL games, or no. is it literally strictly just just NFL games?
0: No, and they recruit all their guys from the collegiate ranks.
5: So, yeah, I, I, I how can you justify them going full time though? At the same time, like it's it's you work once a week, like you know what I'm saying you work once a week for for sixteen weeks. How, how can you? I don't know what they get paid per week, Tom. I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't either. i I don't
0: either. it be interesting to find out. I could find that out. I mean, I, I don't know if it would make any difference. We talked about some of this yesterday, about the challenge of, you know, late 40s, 50s, 60-year-old guys with a lot of experience have been very good at the collegiate level. They get in the NFL, and 95% of them do a great job.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you know, when you go through an entire game and you only pick out one or two plays, but they're big plays... Between winning and losing, like with Cleveland and Indy, you were at the game, right? It's a big deal. Yeah. That's an uncatchable ball. Yeah. They made the other, however many plays, 150 plays in the game, they probably got a lot of stuff right. But, boy, when it stands out, it stands out.
5: Yeah, it does. Here's the thing, Tom, about officials, and and and, and I brought this up to these guys yesterday, is I, I have trouble I, – I made fun of Reds fans during the – during the summer because it felt like every time we'd come in this, we'd come in and do the show, they'd be sitting here going, did you see the umpires last night? They were terrible. Maybe they were, but it's, it's hard for me to complain about officials, complain about refs because that's what people did 30 years ago. That's what people did 20 years ago. That's what people did 10 years ago. It's what we're doing now. And that's what we're going to be doing for the future. So in, in my, in my approximation, it's hard to complain about something that doesn't have a solution in sight and i don't know That's right. maybe there is some solution but the fact of the matter is is these refs are humans these refs have a very tough job because they are a third party you know trying to mediate these two teams that are trying to win a t- game and i don't think that bias really ever comes into the, the mix but yeah, it just it, there's no solution in sight. So it's hard for me to outwardly complain. Yeah, you can look at a game that, that is decided because of bad calls, like the Colts Brown games, like, well, that's that's pretty shitty. You can look at the Steelers Rams games and go, well, that's, that's a load of crap. But what's the point of constantly complaining about it when you don't have a solution that's to right. the problem?
0: That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, we got lots of stuff to get into today. Uh, look, the Bengals. Uh, yesterday, Zach Taylor, everybody's back in house after doing whatever they did during the, the bye week. And it's going to be really interesting. Let's be honest about it to see what kind of changes could be in store for the Bengals and especially on offense against San Francisco. I mean, look, they are only facing what two teams over the next nine weeks with a losing record. And one of those teams is Minnesota who beat the Niners last night. More on that in a second. The schedule, you have the Niners, the Bills, Houston, Baltimore, the Steelers, the Jaguars. Over the next six weeks, can the Bengals beat all those teams? Of course they can. Could they lose to all those teams? Unlikely. But they not only trail every team inside the AFC North right now, they have not won a divisional game. As for the Niners... They've all of a sudden lost two straight after starting the year 5-0. and I mean, Kirk Cousins. I don't know about this playing at 1 o'clock Eastern time stuff. But, man, was he unbelievable last night. Throws a pick like the third play of the game. Right. And then throws for 378 yards, two touchdowns. What's amazing was he was not sacked one time by Nick Bosa and the Booys. Can the Bengals offensive line, boys? turn in that kind of game against the Batman Niners?
5: I think we know that answer, Tom. <laughs> I, think, I think we know that answer. is, I, if, I, if we were betting, man, I know you're not one. I'd put a lot of chunk of change that the 49ers are going to at least come up with one sack this Sunday.
3: I would. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Can
0: you bet that?
5: Yeah, yeah sure. you can. Absolutely. Is there
0: an over-under in sacks per game?
5: You can bet on players Player sacks. specifically, and then sometimes they'll throw a prop like how many sacks a team will have in a game. But you could certainly bet on uh, Bosa to get a sack, and that seems like a fair bet too.
0: How do you like Bosa, Casey, lined up right on the edge off of Jonah Williams? <laughs> how are we looking?
2: Not great, Tom. Not great.
0: <laughs> have you seen Nick Bosa? I mean, he I is, mean, that no, like, guy, some of the tweets that were sent out last night of him in his shorts and his T-shirt yeah. by the Ohio State people, however they get that video. I mean, it is insane, that guy. I feel bad for Jonah, to be honest.
2: They got to help, <laughs> help him. They got to help him. They got to get some double-teaming action on him. True sample. Tom, I, I'm super nervous about the Bengals right now. 49ers losing two games in a row. They didn't look good in either game.
0: You don't think they're going to lose Three games in a row do you I don't know you know I mean I just sat there and I was I was shocked last night at the way Minnesota threw the ball down the field and their run game it's a big explosive run plays uh, against San Francisco and then the Niners made some mistakes I mean Purdy was good but he turns it over right there at the end uh, turned it over earlier in the game they didn't have Debo Samuel. Now, I read this morning where Debo Samuel is not expected to play in the game against the Bengals this week. He sat out last night. They had McCaffrey injured. He played. Trent Williams played. Yeah. So, you know, those were the three big injuries they had leading up to this game. And Samuel was the only one who sat out. McCaffrey, boy, what a player he is. Um, but let's get a State of the Union. Right. From Zach Taylor himself, right? This was yesterday. At his press conference, this covers everything from injuries to the 49ers to who shot JFK? <laughs> how is Cheeto doing? Do you expect him to have a bigger role this week after
3: the bye with that back
1: injury? I, I think he's progressing nicely. So, um, again, I think the bye week came at a good time for guys like Cheeto and T, um, Orlando even. And and we'll just kind of take it day to day with these guys and, and see how much they can handle. How much does it help Zach to have an extra day for- Offense, prepare for an offense like champions? They're a really good football team. You know, whatever phase you want to talk about, um, every little bit helps. They've been a team that's been playing at a high level for for several years now. And, you know, I've been playing a lot of championships, Super Bowls, and um, so it's it's a great test for us. You can just do so much with him. He, He's—you he, don't really look at him just as a running back. You know, you can feature him in the passing game because he's got that awareness. Um, he's got great hands. He's got great agility to be able to, to work a lot of different matchups with him. Um, they're very creative with how they can use him. They got a lot of great players they can be creative with, and they do a good job, you know, using them to the best of their abilities. And Christian, I think, just fit in really well there. After his time in, in Carolina, I remember for years, he was he was one of the premier running backs at Carolina. And then they just threw him in the mix and even doing a lot more with him in, in San Francisco. And so he's been a good piece of that puzzle. I'm sure Shanahan's
0: a guy that you look at because you look at everybody around the league. What it is about Shanahan that that makes him what he what, is? What, what, is
1: there a common thread of all the film that you see that, 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 that strikes you? I think he's creative. He he does it. he does a little bit of everything, you know. and um, for them, it really starts off the run game, and everything matches that. They got great play actions, they got great screens, they got great nakeds, um, really good shot plays. You know, that can put you in a tough mind. They got really good players on top of that, so so a scheme that's very difficult to deal with, and then the players that can really bring it to life along with the coaching staff. So, um, just really good organization from top to bottom. Um, we certainly think a lot of those coaches they have there. They've done a really good job for a long time, and um, guys that you're always looking at when you're looking at scheme stuff. They always do a really good job. How is Charlie Jones tracking in terms of his availability? And do you feel like when he's able to come back, he can help you guys out on offense? We'll see. You know, he he's ineligible this week, so we'll just we'll just keep taking it one week at a time with him and see where he's at. Is there a big revelation
5: in that the Vikings are going to go in and evaluate a lot of things? One big what you maybe had the sales count?
1: Uh, just different areas that we can improve, tweak, continue to do better. Um that's that's what we took away from the week. You had said before the buy that you were feeling pretty good about how you guys control your own custody. Mm-hmm. Um, one,
3: with how things
1: went in the division this weekend. Uh how are you feeling just standing for us? Sure. Uh, you know, A, everybody everybody in the AFC is on our schedule at this point. Um and we just have to focus on San Francisco. I think that's the message you give to our guys is um, if we control what we can control, starting with San Fran and then taking it one game at a time after that, everything you want's in front of you. So you don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing. And so I think that's the simplest message that uh, is true, especially at this early part in the season. You know, we've only played six games, still got 11 left. Um, you got to start with San Francisco, can't look beyond that. Got to give them our best effort, and then after that, we'll, we'll keep taking it one game at a time. But that's the beauty of this league is, is um, you, you've you've got a chance to control your own destiny as long as you do things the right way. Does
0: the 49ers' defensive scheme
1: remind you of, of any other that you're prepared for as a pretty good game? No, I, no, I would say it's it's you know you've played other teams that maybe play some of these coverages in front and fronts, um, and they're just really good at it. They're really good, you know, from from top to bottom. The personnel that they have, um, they put them in the right places. Those guys certainly bring it to life. They're high-end players at all levels of the defense. Um, I don't even want to name them because I'm going to leave somebody off, and and they're all um, they all play up to their potential, you know. And so I think that's one thing you see is is all eleven playing together, totally in sync, great communication, play hard, play physical. They're really intelligent. Um, they get quickly to their checks. They do a good job diagnosing what the offense is doing. And so again, it's it's a really impressive defense to watch on tape. How big would it be to have Orlando Bell for a matchup in a game that includes talented? I like having our best players play. So that's always that's always helpful. Last couple of years, um, not, I know you don't want to look back. But
4: you come off by and have really big wins. Vegas, Pittsburgh, 2 your
3: better wins, turning points kind of. Is there a common Theme, the way you guys handled that, or maybe there's been focus coming
0: out of those that you feel
1: like you uh, apply right now or feel similar, or is it so separate that you can't really pull from those? Um, it, it does feel separate. Like, I don't look back at those two games necessarily. I couldn't even told you, to be honest with you, who we played last year coming out of the bye. If you just, just asked me without me. This week, I kind of went back up through some stuff. But um, before then, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But um, Again, I just, I always talk about this. I think it's the character of our team. They get a week off, they handle it the right way. They do the right things. They, they take care of their bodies. They mentally refresh knowing that we got a gauntlet here of, of 11 games going down the stretch. And so those guys come out of it fresh, ready to roll. Um, thankful that they, they're in it and they get to keep playing good football. And so I think it seats more to the character of our team, how they've responded coming out of buys than, than anything uh, that that maybe we have them doing.
0: All right, so that was the State of the Union, if you will, from uh, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor yesterday. Uh, anything jump off the page for you guys? Uh,
3: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say he he said, you know, at the end there that we're coming off fresh. We're you know we're going to be ready to play. It seems to me after these breaks, the Bengals have just never played good, especially that. that and when I say that, I mean that's the beginning of the year they come off a preseason they come off a long a, a long pause of football and it's like we're going to start out slow and we'll, and we'll see what happens in the second half we they the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals need to come out hot they need to start they need to start swinging early against the 49ers you're not going to be able to fall down 14 points to that defense so if, if that's what he's saying if he's true if he's right uh then yeah i i that he's correct this this bye week is going to help prepare everything that's that's down the line for the Bengals here it's it's a brutal schedule a brutal schedule for the next 11 weeks
5: to be fair though i mean that's what the Bengals offense has done the last two weeks that they played they've come out firing we saw that against the seahawks then they floundered it was kind of a reverse of what we've seen all season long uh the cardinals game was a complete game by the offense but still they came out ready to roll and, and scored early and often listen i'm seeing a lot of people on x.com twitter and in case you just made this point not too long ago, talking about the 49ers. Because just two weeks ago, the 49ers were the greatest team we've mm-hmm. ever seen established on a football field. Now they've lost two in a row to a backup quarterback in the Browns, an embarrassing loss. And then they go on Monday night football and lose to primetime Kirk Cousins without Justin Jefferson. And everyone's sitting here hitting the panic button because they're saying, there's no way that the Bengals are going to lose, or the, the 49ers are going to lose three consecutive games. I, I, I can't track that logic. You're telling me that you feel less confident in the Bengals in this game against a 5-2 49ers team that is coming off two losses than you would against a 7-0 oh 49ers team that beat the Brakes off anyone? That logic doesn't track with me. This team has holes. This Brock Purdy does ha- has-, has played two bad games now. And without Debo Samuel, CMC the game before – this offense looks limited in certain ways. I mean, this Vikings defense was, was nothing for the first few weeks of the year. I mean, they're giving up 30 points a game and then all of a sudden they're flying around. So I'm seeing more cracks in this 49ers team than certainly I did two weeks ago. And and certainly than I have since the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey at the midpoint last season. So I don't understand what people are saying. There's no way that this 49ers team can lose three games in a row. They, This team's showing cracks.
0: You know what's interesting about the 49ers is if you look at their season so far this year, they have jumped on teams, and I mean jumped on them. When they win, they beat teams by an average of almost 20 points per game. But in a game that was described last night by some in the 49ers locker room as a grimy game, the kind of game you're going to play in the playoffs, when they have a grimy game twice this year, they've come up short. I mean... Cleveland punched him in the mouth countless times. Say what you will about Cleveland, but punched him in the mouth and did not back down the entire game. Beat him with a backup quarterback. Now, if the kicker was any good, Niners would have won the game. But the point was, it was tight. Last night, tight. And they, and they can't finish off the opponent. So I think with the Bengals, you got to start strong and try to play with the lead to let them know you're here to compete.
2: I agree with you, Tom. I think they need to come out with the lead, and that will put pressure on Brock Purdy, right? I think that's really what led to the Vikings' success and also the fact that they were able to stop Christian McCaffrey in the run game. Now, they did give up a, a huge um, a huge play to him in, in, in the passing game in the flat, but, I mean, he was very limited in the run game. They were able to pressure Brock Purdy with three rushers like they were able to get home yeah. Yeah. a couple times and get him out of out of the pocket, get him out of his timing. Those are all things that are, I think are keys to the the Bengals is can you get Brock Purdy off his timing? I think he's a very um, methodical quarterback that needs to be on time and then can you stop the run game? Now 49ers just played on Monday, so they're going to have less we, time yeah. a short week to to rest and to prepare yeah it could there's a lot of factors into that that I do agree with you Reed that you shouldn't be too worried I'm well, the fan in me though is just like holy and the NFL fans like can they really lose
5: 3 in a row
2: it's just very get, hard to see
5: listen i get it you the, the Bengals fans still should be worried about the 49ers cuz they are one of the best 5 teams in the NFL but the logic that it seems less likely that the Bengals are going to win this game because they're coming off of two losses doesn't track. This is a team that's not playing their best football right now. And, yeah, they could turn it around and beat the Bengals by 40. I mean, I don't think we'd, we'd bat an eye at that. We've seen the Bengals get blown out twice this year. We've seen the 49ers blow out a lot of teams. That could happen. But the, the logic that this team would be more likely to lose as a 7-0 team as opposed to a 5-2 team coming off of two losses doesn't track whatsoever. We saw the Browns put a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy... Young quarterback. He's won some games already, and he's looked well when he's won. But the past two weeks hasn't looked great. Certainly didn't look good, great against the Browns, and I don't think he looked very good, even though he completed seventy of his seventy percent of his passes last night. And it was via two different, very different defenses. It's a Browns team that has a very stout defensive line that can rush the passer very well, and then you got a Vikings team that blitzes a lot. They lead the league in blitzes. They, they blitzed a lot. They blitzed a lot last night, and that put some pressure on Brock Purdy. So. Uh, Lou Ann Rumo has some options. Do, do do we trust Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reeder to get back there enough? Or do we want to put a little more pressure on them? Yeah. and blitz. And that hasn't been the Bengals' and MO to blitz a whole lot, but they certainly could this week.
0: Well, and, and they're coming off, that defensive front is coming off its best game of the season without question. I mean, they were all over the field against Seattle. No doubt. Uh, Hubbard, and, and, and Hubbard played the best game I've ever seen him play as, as a Bengal. All right. Uh, we got a like, Did you want to make one final comment? I, I do.
2: This? I do because there's one silver lining to this. There was one matchup last night that happened that could be a huge tell for the Bengals. Jadavious Ward versus Jordan Addison. Um, the best Bengals game or the best game of Jamar Chase's career came off of the heels of Jadavious Ward guarding him. I don't know if you guys remember against Kansas City, he went for like 267 or something like right. that and like three touchdowns. That was because Tredavious Ward was covering him. That could be a matchup to watch out for against the 49ers. Okay. All
0: right, that's good. That's good stuff. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? Uh, former Buckeye star, Saints wide receiver Chris Olave was arrested yesterday in Louisiana, apparently in a 30 mile per hour zone He was driving 70. They normally will get you for something like that. I got to tell you, uh, this, this Michigan thing is starting to get a little bit interesting and a little hairy. And I'm not sitting here talking about this because I'm an Ohio State fan. This thing is starting to smell. Connor Stallions, okay, that's a name to remember here. He's the suspended Michigan staffer who's at the very core of this NCAA sign-stealing probe, okay? He bought tickets in his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools. Now, there's a paper trail on this. There's video evidence of him standing in the stands with his cell phone and taping the opponents, giving their signals to an offense or a defense. They've got all this. It's all there already. This isn't like we think we have our hands on it. This is like they got it. And the rules are very simple here. You are not allowed since 1994 So this isn't some new rule that can be misinterpreted here. You are not allowed to scout teams in person in college football or take video of their sidelines during the game. Now, ESPN reports that tickets were purchased by Stallions on both sides at the 50-yard line for last weekend's game between Ohio State and Penn State. But once his name became public, no one showed to use the tickets for the game. Hell, I could have used those tickets. (laughs) But Michigan plays both Penn State and Ohio State this year. So I'm not accusing anybody of anything because I'm not there. But are we supposed to believe that three years this has gone on And not one time, not one time did anyone on Michigan's football coaching staff know about any of this stuff. I mean, seriously, is anyone in their right mind going to believe you have a guy that's being paid $55,000 a year by Michigan? That's his salary. He is a staffer. He is spending tens of thousands of dollars of his own money to buy tickets for games, sit at the 50-yard line. That game at Ohio State-Penn State last week to have tickets on both sidelines, he's done that a lot more than once. They have video evidence from these stadiums that he's standing there with his cell phone and he's the entire game, which you're not allowed to do, he is taping... The opponent's signaling in their plays on offense and defense. So this goes on 30 times. And there's not a person on the Michigan football staff that is getting any information about exactly what he's taping on his phone.
5: Yeah, Tom, um, I'm, you know, you said this is starting to stink. This this does start to stink. This smells like a Ryan Day conspiracy. He can't beat Michigan for two straight years. And what does he do? He gets, <laughs> he gets big daddy NCAA involved. He's like, hey, let's just cancel Michigan. I can't beat them anymore. But, no, I. as more and more of this comes out, when this first dropped, I thought, what are we talking about here? Stealing signs. Like, it just it seems like a, a witch hunt against Michigan. But as more and more – Information comes out. Uh, there's a story here, and I'm highly intrigued to see what they do to throughout the Big Ten for one of their marquee programs from the NCAA and one of their marquee college football programs. We talked about it last week. The NCAA doesn't like coming down hard on their big time programs. They don't, because they know they lose a lot of money when those programs are bad. They make a lot of money when Michigan's winning 10, 11, 12 ball games a year. So, what is going to happen? Because of these allegations, because of what's going on, and, and there's evidence. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens.
3: The only thing you said, uh, it, it, nobody, they, everybody has claimed that they didn't know this, right? I don't. Well,
0: Harbaugh came out and said, he does not know of any of this. He's never instructed anybody to ever go do this. That's what Harbaugh said.
3: If those, if, if Harbaugh and, and everybody else on the staff, they have some kind of stay strong line, nobody speak, nobody say anything, everybody deny, and, and they back their paper trail with this guy and he paid for everything and he did everything lonesome by himself, I don't see how you could punish them if it's just one man acting alone. If, if everybody else denies it and there's no proof that they interacted with this guy. I would agree with you that they definitely knew. But if there's no evidence against him, I don't see how they suspend this team or suspend Harbaugh or anybody on the team.
0: Well, here's the thing, is that if he wasn't an employee, let's just say he was you or me, Yeah. okay? Um, and we went and bought all these tickets and went to these games and taped all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. I agree with you 1,000%. But the fact that he is a paid employee by the Michigan football team where they can link Harbaugh to this whole thing if say they so choose, they being the NCAA, even without a direct paper trail that says, hey, Ohio State on third and six, this was their signal, this is what they're doing, right? Yeah. Um, Is the head coach is ultimately responsible for the conduct of its entire program and everybody that works for that program, whether they be players, whether they be assistant coaches, whether they be a trainer, whether they be an academic counselor, whatever it might be. That's all under the umbrella in a job title of, of, of maintaining a program and having control over the program. Now, they normally don't like to do things like this in season and necessarily suspend, uh, hand down a punishment this year that's going to affect the kids. They normally don't like affecting the kids. But they also tend to come down hard on guys where it's more than, say, one thing. And Michigan's still got two things going on now. They got this, and they got the COVID recruiting stuff going on. So it, it, there are two things right now that are just going on, and none of it looks very good. But, but, but the, the, the biggest point of this whole thing, and this is where it's going to be interesting no matter what the NCAA does. What is the Big Ten going to do? Because you are seriously jeopardizing faith in who is winning and losing squarely Two, by far more importantly, you are jeopardizing the health of college athletes if the other team knows what you're getting ready to do. You could have guys seriously hurt under those circumstances and you know they gave michigan state the option to not play the game this past weekend michigan state said no we're going to play uh, this thing reeks bad man really bad on many many levels it reeks badly
5: the the thing that's that we've got to remember in this is that this isn't a court of law either they don't yeah. have to prove that Harbaugh knew about anything, right? They don't have to show evidence that Harbaugh sat in on meetings, that he, he, he was getting word about what these play calls were. They don't have to prove that. There can be just evidence and circumstance, and you can use you know your, your, your own brain to, to form opinions. They've just got to say, like, hey – this is bad. This is your program. This is a guy that is, you have staffed, and he's doing these things wrong. You deserve to have the punishments. So that's, that's the interesting thing here is because if this was in a court of law, nothing would happen because it would be an incredibly hard case to prove that Harbaugh knew anything that was going on, that the, that the, the big wigs at Michigan knew any of this was going on. That would be an incredibly tough case to prove, but they don't have to. They can have this paper trail. They can have this video evidence, and then they can say, listen, Something, Hanky, was going on under your supervision. Guys that you hired, you've got, to, you've got to have some repercussions from this.
3: Yeah, I agree. Do you think this would be the end of Harbaugh? If this were to come out and he'd get, I don't know what this- The end the of Harbaugh? Be. No, he would go to the NFL. No, I'm saying it. the end of Harbaugh at Michigan. Yeah.
0: Oh, well, I mean, if there's any link to him, there's, there's no question about that. That's yeah. it. See you later. They, got to, they have to fire him. I mean, like, not even debatable have to fire him. If he knew about this information- and then executed that information inside of a game. And I don't want anybody to misunderstand me here. I've known Jim Harbaugh a long time. I like the guy. I used to tape a weekly show with him when I was doing the Cubs games in Chicago and had to work during the winter at WGN. He was the number one draft pick and the starting quarterback for the Bears. We also aired the Bears games on WGN. I had to tape the Jim Harbaugh show every single Tuesday with Jim Harbaugh. I've known him since he was 23 years old. And then I knew him as a coach in college. I knew him as a coach in the pros. I like the guy. I really like him. He's weird, but I like him. Uh, But man, if, 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 and it's only if, if this plays out where anybody on that staff knew about it, defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, offensive coordinator, whatever it might be, there will not be anybody, that will have a job on that Michigan football staff if this breaks like this. Nobody.
5: What's more likely, that that, that Jim gets fired or that Jim leaves before he, he would get fired?
0: Well, I mean, you know, that's probably the, the million-dollar question. Uh, but we're, look, to be fair, let's wait and see how it all plays out. Yep. Let's wait and see how it all plays. Because like I said, I'm not sitting here saying that he did know about it because I have no idea. No clue. All right. Um, baseball was last night the end of Dusty Baker's managerial career. The future Hall of Famer, no doubt, after winning it all last year, he managed five different franchises to the playoffs. Many are saying he is expected to retire after his Astros were eliminated in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series last night. It was never a game. I mean, it was Hammer City from the get-go. Texas wins 11-4, and look, If you are looking for candidates, and we have two of them today, we're going to nominate as candidates for Nut Cutter Nation. We are starting with Exhibit A, Adalas Garcia. He homers in game five, helped trigger that benches clearing incident, right? With his celebration. He comes back in game six, hits a grand slam. And then last night, the general manager of the Rangers, who used to pitch in the big leagues for a long time, Chris Young, he said after the game, he has never heard in his life ever before a player that was booed like Garcia was booed last night in Houston. And what does he do? He homers again, leading the Rangers to the World Series. His cat knocked in 15 runs in the seven-game series. Fifteen. Nutcutter Nation Unite! Behind him! Rangers have never won a World Series in franchise history. Now, who are they going to play? They will host game one of the World Series. Well, we will find out tonight. Z Brazilian air, a lot of pressure on you tonight. No, no pressure. When the Phillies took a two-games-to-none lead, hitting home runs all over the place in the NLCS, we had some around here that had the D-backs getting swept. Gave Arizona no chance whatsoever. Well, they have since beaten the fight Phils. Three of the last four, including a 5-1 decision in game six. The first home loss by Philly in this entire postseason. All right. Nutcutter Nation, Exhibit B. Merrill Kelly, the starter last night. Five innings. Shutting them down. Allows only one run. Retires at top of the order. Turner, Harper. One, two, three. He comes back to the dugout. And here's what happens. His manager tells him, you're out of the game. You think this guy's happy about that decision? He seems in disbelief. He said all the right things after the game, but, boy, he was chapped.
5: Well, you could tell if you – maybe we'll pull up the, the post-game conference at some point uh, later in the show. But uh, he said in the post-game conference he, he, he still could see that he was a little fuming. And he said all the right things, like you said. He's like, I was just frustrated. I yep. feel like I still had some more gas in the tank. Um, at the end of the day, we won the game. The bullpen was was great behind me. I was just just a little frustrated at that time. But he was – you could tell he wanted to lay into to Lavolo right there. You oh could, you yeah! You could tell he wanted to lay into
3: him. I I I was uh, I was watching the game. I, who was broadcasting that game? That's um um the guy you've had on on Tom, right? I don't know whoever the broadcast Brian was. Anderson. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so they were they were they were in disbelief as well when they pulled him. So I. Tough. It's tough, but that's the world we live in. It's the analytical age. And I guess they were trying to just save arms there. Uh, keep him fresh for, for a World Series, maybe. Well, he, he said he had a plan he before won. the game.
0: Lavolo said Lavello said before the game, he said, here's the deal. If we have the lead at the end of five, I'm taking the starter out and I'm giving an inning to the next four guys. Uh they've been that good out of the ball. And I mean they shut them down like nobody's business. Right where well, they have one base runner and two base runners in the last four innings. Yep.
5: Yeah, yeah something like that.
0: Wasn't even a hard hit ball in so, the whole group.
5: So, yeah, we can, we can sit here and talk. Like, it, it was awesome that Merrill Kelly wants the ball. That's what you want out of your pitcher. That's what you want. Wants, but at the end of the day, what they did worked. So, I mean, Merrill Kelly was dealing. He, he, he did strike out two of the best three hitters in the lineup in the fifth inning. Yep. He probably should have gone back out there for the sixth. But what do we talk about? Because at the end of the day, the strategy that they employed worked.
3: I do think that there is a point. Like I don't know if you remember the World Series with when the Rays went, and it was uh, Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell. I yep. think it was yep. similar, and, it, and they ended up that decision ended up losing them the game. Yeah, right, it didn't work. But it, it, obviously, like Reed said it worked. I just I would trust the starter there. I'd let him keep going. I think he just struck out the best the top three in the lineup too. Two of the three. Yeah. Two of the two of three. The, two of the three. So.
0: And that's the point he was making. It, it, when you saw him do his glove, like pointing back out to the field, and he made the comment in the post game, as Reed talked about. It. He looked at his manager and said, are are, are you kidding me? I just retired these guys one, two, three. Dominated them in the fifth. And I'm coming out? He said he thought maybe he would get a base runner. You know, you hear that a lot. Guy gets on, all right, we're going to get you out. Yeah. Right? He thought maybe, maybe he'd get that. He didn't get it. But the D-backs win. And don't look now, Zebra. Here come the D-backs.
5: You worried? You worried about your take?
3: No, I'm not worried at all. You it, have action tonight? Winning in Of course I do, Tom. Win, winning in is the same as a sweep. It, e- either way That's you go true. to the That's e- true. Either way you go to the World Series, Tom. Are, are are I mean, do you feel confident with Arizona throwing out Brandon Fat out there?
5: He's been Listen, I know he had a 6 ERA this year. He's been lights out for the past month.
0: He, he has. shut down the Dodgers, 5 innings, no runs. He pitches into the 6th inning. In Game 3, I mean, their season's on the line, Game 3. They're down two games to none, right? They go back home to Arizona. He pitches into the sixth inning, gives up one run. So, I mean, look, if you just look at the regular season numbers, and this is where, guys, it's the stuff that, that legends are made of. I mean, now, Brandon Fott might go out tonight and give up seven runs. But this is the stuff where where legends are born they may never win a game the rest of their career but if Fott beats the dodgers if Fott beats the phillies twice in a seven game lcs that guy'll never buy a beer again in arizona his it's true
5: his last four starts 18 and a third innings pitched three runs given up pretty good that's pretty pretty damn good Tom.
0: and it should be noted that that among those other two I mentioned the two in the postseason. The other two is when Arizona was trying to get into the playoffs.
5: Correct. Correct. Yep. Yeah, I remember when uh, back in the middle of September during when the Cubs were playing really good baseball. They they were. They played Brandon Fatt, and he had a 6 ERA, and you're like, all right, this is a win for the Cubbies today, and he threw six shutout innings. So that was kind of the start of it. But, yeah, 18 in a third innings pitch, three earned runs given up. He's only allowed 14. He has allowed a lot of hits, but – I mean, if you keep him off the board, his last, his last start against the Phillies, five and two-thirds, nine Ks, that's, that's nut-cutting.
0: Now, it should be noted, in that game three of this series, okay, you had the Phillies just dominate the first two games, hitting all those home mm-hmm. runs, and he beat and he beat Kelly. Uh, but in game three, it, it turned out to be the lowest-scoring game. It was a two-to-one game. Yeah. And so it's the same pitching matchup as we had in that game here for game seven tonight. So, it's fought on the mound for Arizona. Ranger Suarez will start it for Philadelphia. Speaking of baseball, Reds catcher Luke Maley joining the program. Coming up in about uh, 15 minutes from now. Yeah, big time, Tom. Going to talk about his new contract, 32 years old. And for the first time ever, he has, in theory, a multi-year contract.
3: How about that? 32 years old.
0: That's
5: what's great about being a catcher. You know, it's a tough position, but, you know, if you're at least a little productive, they want to, they, they'll they keep you around. You can play a long time if you're a catcher,
0: Tom. There's no doubt about it. Most of the time as a left-handed hitting catcher. But right, sure. in his case, that's not the case. But uh, this guy had a hell of a year for the Reds this year. And um, we're going to ask him about, you know, the season, uh, but also ask him about the, the relationship. And, and it's nothing against Tyler Stevenson. But clearly, there was a bond made by Maley and these young starting pitchers, he, he caught all but one of Andrew Abbott's starts this year. Every start Hunter Green made after coming off the injured list, Maley was behind the plate. Now, they had carried three catchers all year long, but Casale never played. I think he played one game after the All-Star break, something like that. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk to him about that uh, and about coming up with the, the, the nickname America's team. So uh, why don't you uh, get your sport coat on there, Elliot, because it's very, very important. And Nick Mormon, thank you. He says it's the best Luke to come on the show since Luke Brenneman. Thank you.
5: While we're, while we're doing this, Tom, we have a couple of super chats that we haven't gotten.
0: Okay, to. get them up there.
5: Very early on in the show, uh, that, that one guy, 15, gave a $5 super chat, said the biggest issue with the PI on the Colts at the end of the game is that they picked up a PI earlier in the game. But not with the game on the line. That's absolutely true. At that time, that was uh, – we already saw them pick up a flag. I don't know why they didn't do it again. Mr. Moe asked a question when you were talking about Michigan's uh, Michigan's guy. He had a $5 super chat. How does a low-level recruiting staffer making five, 55K a year afford that many tickets? I think that's that's the crux of the argument here. Is someone was funding him, more people knew about this. And then Chi-Town Real Estate said, Elliot would put my logo on his laptop for free. That was a $2 super chat. I would put your – I – We made a deal last night. You buy me a case of Bush Light, you can put it right here. (laughs) Put it right here. You just got to send me a JPEG.
0: Bush Light. You're a Bush Light guy? Miami of Ohio. Yeah, that's right. End of story. It's all you need to know. All right, Elliot, tell us what's going on. It's a beautiful day here today.
3: It's a beautiful day in Hamilton, as it always is, Tom. It's very beautiful outside. It was 48 driving into work this morning. It was phenomenal. It's going to get up to about 70 today. Sunshine. It's Today might be the best day of the year. Today might be the best day of the year. We're playing football. I think the NBA starts tonight. Is that oh, right? Yeah. NBA yeah. starts tonight. Go How about bet- that?
5: Bedford. Let's, let's Bedford Sportsbook. Let's, let's, let's get, get into movie. it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I won't be watching, but I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the the Lakers have a great squad this year. Uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah. Hi. Did we flash the thingy up? I don't know if. We, did, did we do it already? Boom. 70 degrees or something like that. 65. Uh, if not, then it didn't happen. I don't know. Did it happen? No. It didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, 65 degrees, 70 degrees. I don't know. Do whatever you want. It's beautiful outside. Go take a walk. Go take a stroll. Thank you, Casey. Have the weather, have the weather right in front of me. Yep. 75 degrees. Let's go. Let's have a day. No rain, 0% precipitation. I know all these meteorologists say like what the chances of precipitate zero, 0% chance go outside have yourself a day have a bonfire it's a tuesday it's a pleasant tuesday uh is, is tuesday the day it's two beer tuesday right two beer tuesday two beer tuesday yeah two beer tuesday. yeah I, I don't think i'll be there for that unfortunately either but the good news is i can have some at home if i wanted to but i don't i don't really drink i don't drink alcohol hmm. gotta stay gotta stay sober for the weather i'm not gonna throw it to ronald reagan I should throw it. Do you want me to throw it to Ronald Reagan? Sure. I got a a bit. Do you really? Yeah. I've been working on my impersonation. This is my new
5: Ronald Reagan impersonation.
3: Here we go. This is good.
5: (laughs) Get it because he passed away a long time ago. Back to you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was disgusting. That was foul. I mean, that was just foul. I got to think of a new nickname. This is my job on this show to think of a new nickname. Listen, I know everybody's going to be tired of this bit, Elliot. You're ruining the bid. It's the same thing. That's the whole point of the weather. The weather, the, every weather forecast of all time is the exact same. It's the exact same. You're, nothing's ever going to change unless it rains. If it rains, it rains. I'll tell you about it. Other than that, it's not going to rain. So, Tom, back to you. All right, we just got to buy some time, Tom, till Casey's
5: ready to roll with the with the ads. Casey, Casey you, we're going to give you a minute here, right?
0: Yep. Yep. And let's go, Casey. And I'm ready. Uh, well done, by the way, uh, Zebra.
2: <laughs> so we just did a Bingles report. and It's brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with the suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency
5: and... Productivity.
2: Productivity. There we go. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation begins here. Let me tell you about this premium alkaline water, Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio, uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water, the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at p-a-h-h-n-i-water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. And for me, It's the ph level it's a solid eight it's not a seven it's not a nine it's an eight reed what do you like about this
5: yeah i mean i think we know what it is i mean you you get superior hydration because of natural limestone filtration um yeah they do it naturally here Uh, unlike those artificial processes that other water bottles use um also i mean it's just it just tastes so dang good
3: Ah, elliot for me it's the smoothness when you drink the water it goes down the gullet nice and easy uh, it's when you, when you're at Kroger's, you're at another X store brand. There's no free ads here. When you're at X store, uh, and you're looking at X waters and some of the waters have the islands of Fiji or whatnot, what have you, uh, you look at Pawnee water and it's not like those other brands because it's actually good. It tastes good. The bottle's great. It's a of bang for your buck. Some, by the way, that's another thing people don't talk about. The bottle's pretty big. The bottle's pretty 23 big. 23 ounces. 23 ounces. Yep. So I don't know. I drink a couple of these and I'll be like, Tom off to pee. So that's, that's what we got to do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to run out of here peeing and it's all Pawnee water. The greatest water known to man. Well said
0: gentlemen. Well Thanks. said. Thanks. Well said. And I, I'm with you. I love the size of the bottle. I love it. You take this on a, on a workout with you, right? Oh it's yeah. Workout. Just... Perfect. Perfect. Perfect size. Not too little, not too big. Not too, you know, overbearing too heavy. No, nothing. It's great. Size means everything with water bottles. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, We have uh, have lots to get to in the next hour where we will do our college and pro football power five rankings. In the Athletic yesterday, um, they put Ohio State number one because they said that Ohio State's resume, and really this can't, whether you like them or hate them, it doesn't matter. This can't be denied. Of all the teams that are in the top, that are undefeated, let's put it that way. Of all the teams that are undefeated, they have, without question, the best resume of any team. They have two top 10 wins one on the road, one at home. Georgia's not beaten anybody in the top 10. Uh, Michigan hasn't played anybody in the top 100. Um, Washington did beat Oregon i um, trying to think who else Oklahoma did beat Texas but you're talking about one big win for Washington Texas you know I think Georgia's toughest game so far correct me if I'm wrong unless I'm forgetting something was supposed to be Kentucky
5: Kentucky who they blew the blew the doors off of
0: yes and they play the world's largest cocktail party is this weekend yeah. I would love to go down to that game the sometime. world's largest cocktail. they play the game in Jacksonville Florida That's the name of the rivalry it is it is the Florida Gators against the Georgia Bulldogs, and they play the game in Jacksonville, Florida. And half the stadium is uh, orange and green; the other half uh, is red and black. They say it's they say it's an unbelievable experience, especially when the weather's good.
5: Is that where does that uh, rank in? Because college football has great rivalry names. Yeah. world's largest cocktail party's got to be up at the top. It's not as good as the Red Brick rivalry. The Red Brick rivalry, which is this Saturday, Miami Red Hawks versus the Ohio Bobcats. But it's up there.
0: That's an, it's a, a rivalry is one of those where the other team, every now and again, has got to win a game. Correct. And okay, well, so that's no a, rivalry at all. Right, so Miami. Because the Bobcats just have just dominated, mm-hmm. in every sport, really, uh, Miami, everything. Oh, yeah. Is Luke ready to roll? Uh, no. Not yet? Okay, all right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to be... But you're right. I mean, you know, it's funny. I got, I got a group of friends that live in my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, they started 18 years ago. 18 years ago. They started going on a trip to a different college football venue. So one year, and, and what they would do is they'd set it up where if it was, let's say it was the four of us. Okay. Well, we'll say this year was Elliot's year. Yeah. So Elliot would pick the venue, not tell anybody. And at Christmas, you would give each of the guys, say, an Ohio State T-shirt, which tells you you're going to Columbus. Okay. Okay? I like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's unreal. So they have been, they went to Oregon two years ago. They've been to Michigan. They've been to Penn State. They've been to Ohio State. They've been to Alabama. They've been to Texas A&M. They've been to Austin, Texas. They've been... Uh, they're going to uh, the UCLA-USC game this year in the Coliseum. Um, but, it, you know, you bring that up about what? what is the one that, at the end of the day, if they, they picked one place it was the best by far, they went Ole Miss. Really? So it wasn't even close. The Grove, I think they call it mm-hmm. down yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with the, the the people. So they said, like, when they went to Oregon, it's like, you know, they walk around and nobody would – Invite them into their tailgate to have a beer. The they said race. last year at Michigan, it was it was brutal. They said it just it, it, nobody was like nice. Um, and I don't want to throw a blanket over all over because I, I know some people went to Michigan, good good people, um, but they said without a doubt the two best were Ole Miss and when they went to Texas A&M when Johnny Manziel was there. Oh yeah, Ooh,
5: that's big time. Tom, you you caught a lot of college football games. What was your favorite venue you ever went to, hmm. besides the Big House? Because we know you love the Big House.
0: Oh, I believe me, I loved going to the Big House because they got their butts kicked twice. <laughs> I love going there by Toledo and App State. Those are big time <laughs> programs.
5: Those are big time programs. That was
0: before they knew what was coming from the other team. Yeah, Brady Hope,
3: Rich Rock, <laughs> leader of men. I, I I have a buddy who did it. Uh, who was at Who's at a game in. Uh, BYU this year yeah and he said he said that uh <laughs> the the fans in the stadium would buy them ice cream everybody, really everybody would just send them down some kind of ice cream there'd be like 14 people in the stands that would just buy opposing fans ice cream at BYU yeah and they would also come in between quarters and sweep or mop beneath your feet really yeah wild some some schools just do it different. I tell you what's Mormon, a big time place
0: is uh is um Camp Randall, Wisconsin. Okay. That's a big time atmosphere. Really? Yeah, I mean that's that's that place, man. I mean, I'm not so sure if the rest of this season, if you wanted to just go have fun, yeah, and have no rooting interest at all, I'm not so sure this Saturday night's game is not the game you'd pick. Because Camp Randall, Madison, Wisconsin, is that much fun. It's a 7:30 game. Tailgates will be going all day. Here comes unbeaten Ohio State. Prime time, right? I mean, it'll be it'll be fun. Is uh, Luke ready to go? Yes, he is, Tom. All righty, man. What a pleasure this is to welcome in Luke Maley. All, right, all right, now now, Luke. I know you're a local guy. Thanks for being with us today, by the way. Really, really appreciate it. Um, are you still living in Northern Kentucky?
4: No, so I was with. Uh, I got drafted by Tampa Bay in 2012, and my wife's from the Northeast. We kind of bounced around for a few years. We lived in Boston. Um, I broke into the big leagues with Tampa, and we were ready to get out of the out of the snow. So we ended up coming down here. It was the next. It was as good as anything, right? I was trying to get out of the uh, cold weather. I was with the Rays at the time, and. The house you're looking at right now, we've done some work to it, but we've been here ever since. So uh, we make our way back up to Millie, Kentucky quite often, though.
0: Uh, you know, it's it's an amazing journey for you, uh, Luke, and it's been well-documented. I mean, fans really got to know you this year after you signed, roughly this time um, a year ago, and you went to Covington Catholic, and great player there, go to the University of Kentucky, great player there, uh, and then you get drafted, and you mentioned about Tampa Bay, but, but you know, then it takes you five years, uh, or five different teams, forgive me, uh, you go through a, different teams. You go through a lot of different injuries that hit you along the way. at really some inopportune times, not that there's ever a good time to get hurt, but it certainly kept you with maybe sticking with a team for the long haul. When you got your contract uh, that we talked about last week, and here you have a guaranteed deal with theoretically a second year attached to it, right? Um, you got to be pinching yourself, I would imagine.
4: Oh, for sure. Um... It's difficult to put into words just what the journey is like for a player like myself or anybody that's in kind of the platoon role or the backup role, which, you know, I'll be honest with you, I kind of resisted the idea of being one of those players for a long time, which I think is healthy and normal, um, especially when you're in your 20s and you were drafted and, you know, all the prospect stuff that comes out about you. But um, as I got older, I, I sort of embraced it more and more. Um, which is, you know, good and bad. I mean, it's good in that you start to be a little bit more comfortable with the role that your skipper is asking of you or your front office is asking. But it's also bad because you're going to have um, usually not quite as much job security, at least in general. So to have the years that I've had the last couple of years, namely the one in 2023 with Cincinnati, a team that I grew up loving and, and uh, wanting to play for, and then getting... um you know, kind of a rare taste of some job security feels absolutely incredible, not just for me, but for my teammates and the city that I really care about. You
0: answered the question. I mean, it was one of those moments where you'd say, duh, if I asked you if you grew up a Reds fan. Although I don't know if you saw the story during the playoffs the other day when Zach Gallin's pitching uh, against Philadelphia, where he grew up outside of Philadelphia, but for some reason was a huge Cardinals fan. Go figure, right? The rest of his family, they're all Philly fans. So you were a Reds fan. Did you have a favorite player or two?
4: Yeah, probably too many to name. Um, (laughs) The captain, Barry Larkin, was number one. He was there, um, you know, before I was even born. They won the World Series in 1990, and I was born a few months later. And um, so he was there the whole time. I always kind of idolized the idea of him being up the middle, the shortstop, the captain, all that stuff um ken griffey jr coming over to cincinnati was one of the more poignant memories i'll probably have as a reds fan that was just uh, an absolute you know it felt like a national holiday in uh in our small part of the world yeah. um so when he came over the place as you know was just absolutely electric and you know you can go on and on sean casey was um you know the mayor he was there hitting so consistently for so long um too many to name, I'm going to miss them, but uh, you get the idea.
0: Oh, well, there's no doubt. I mean, those are all incredible names, and I think anybody that grew up around this area is a Reds fan. Those would be three guys, probably one, two, and three in any particular order that were such great players and, and great in the community and all the rest of that kind of thing. You know, when, when you signed with the Reds last year in the winter and, and you're coming into this year, uh, you know, look, let, let's be honest about it. I mean, this team had lost over 100 games. Um, for only the second time in the history of the franchise. And the two players that everybody thought were going to be kind of the regular mainstays, build the franchise around in the long haul, and that may turn out to be the case, were Jonathan India and the guy who was ahead of you on the depth chart in Tyler Stevenson. And obviously you guys are good friends and you spend a lot of time together. When all was said and done, were were you at times during the year just shocked at how much you were getting a chance to play
4: no, I wouldn't say shocked. I was, I was really proud of the impact that I made, given probably what the expectation level had to have been. You know, the fact that we had three guys coming into the season, and and by no means am I knocking it. I think it's a, it's very advantageous. And I've said this before. You see teams in the postseason use three catchers all the time, um, just because of how flexible you can be in late innings and with matchups and things like that. But um, you know kind of to your point, I, I think that once I started playing pretty well, especially on the offensive side, I, I had some some really good at bats in May and and uh, had some timely hits and so it yep. just felt good, man. I and mean, there was really no other way to put it. It just felt good and um, I was just ty- trying to stack good bricks one after another and, and it just so happened that I got a few more opportunities um, as the year progressed.
0: There are a lot of the players that said you've said that you know back in spring training when when no one was giving the chance uh, the Reds a chance to be even competitive, right? Coming off a hundred loss season, was there something that you saw? Because you've been with other teams, you've been with some good teams, you've been with some teams that were not so good. Uh, was there something that you saw with the Reds in spring training? The the, the group of people that were there uh, that, that that made you kind of say, you know what? we might have a fighting chance here.
4: Well, you know, I always feel like any team that I'm going to be on, we're going to have a chance. And that, yeah. not to say that about me, but just this: these are major league players. So no matter where you are, you're always going to have a chance, number one. Now, it's kind of funny, and this is just um, how goofy the game can be sometimes. I think the number one thing I saw that made me think we would have a chance would be our big three in the rotation. And then – you go into a couple months throughout the year and all three of them are hurt or not pitching as good as their potential probably is or was or a combination of both. And here we are almost winning the division and at one point crossing over and leading the division. So it's just interesting how the game can work sometimes because uh, the bright spot, if you want to put it, was you know not even going as planned um, even in that regard. But the other thing that I will mention is speed. Um, I played in Cleveland in 2022. And the way that those guys ran the bases um, and played hard and played for each other and just tried to keep the line moving offensively, I thought I saw a little bit, um, actually a lot of bit of that in spring training with the Reds in 23. And so I knew we were going to have a chance to be pretty good offensively, uh, even if we didn't necessarily drive the ball.
0: You know, I, I had a chance to grow up uh, around the Reds organization. And, I mean, heck, I've known Johnny Bench since I was 10 years old uh, and then later would broadcast the Reds games with him on TV. And, 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 and when I would go to different functions, whether it was Reds Fest, uh, whether it was the Hall of Fame weekend uh, that they have every other year, I, I would always stand and just sort of marvel at Bench for all the things he did as a player. And arguably the greatest catcher that ever played the game all around. 10, 12 gold gloves, MVP, blah, blah, blah. But but the thing that always struck me was his incredible relationship with the pitchers on those teams. And even now, 40 years, 50 years later, you get him in a room with Gary Nolan, with Freddie Norman, with all the Jack Billingham, all these guys who were long before you, your parents were even born. Um the relationship he still has with them to this day. You clearly had a unique relationship with this Reds pitching staff this year. For you, through the years, is there a a two or three must sort of to-dos in building those relationships as a catcher?
4: I think there for sure are. Um, I'm going to have – a hell of a time trying to put him into words I guess but and I think the reason for that is um, it's going to vary it's going to vary on number one what the catcher's personality is and number two which individual pitcher you're dealing with but you know as you were sitting there talking about John um, and you know him far better than I probably ever will but I did have a chance to talk to him and, and the number one thing about him is just the presence. Um, I think that when John walks into a room even amongst Hall of Famers in the room, and um, I should say fellow Hall of Famers, and um, old teammates, the big red machine, Johnny just has a presence about him where the voice, the charisma, the, the way he says things, it all just adds up to that's Johnny Bench. And I think as a catcher, although none of us are ever going to come close to the accolades, for, at least most of us won't come close to the accolades of Johnny Bench, you can still have that presence about you, and you can still command the respect of your pitching staff. And I think there's a creativity to it. I don't think it's universal, but um, he certainly has it. And I strive every day to have some semblance of it because I do think it's important.
0: I'm kind of curious because I've always thought this and I've never had a chance to ask somebody who's young enough to understand this question. And you are young enough. When I watched college baseball and you played in the powerful SEC, big time teams, big time coaches, big time programs, big time championships. But when I watch a game, a college game, and especially when they get to the World Series, it looks like the, the head coach or manager is calling every pitch in and at bat, right? Signaling from the dugout to the catcher. Catcher gives it to the pitcher, and the pitcher just whatever the catcher puts down, that's the way it is. Um, are, you, are you seeing repercussions from that as a young catcher working with really young pitchers now?
4: Oh, my, yeah. I mean, we could talk all day about this one, Tom. Um, it's funny. I still get asked, even by you know people that I'm really close with, and they'll ask, "Hey, you know, um, why did uh, why did they call that pitch there in the seventh inning?" And then we're talking about a big league game that I'm catching in. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Like, well, you were looking in the dugout. I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm looking in the in the dugout for run game stuff, but I'm the idiot that called the pitch." You know, they still think that we call pitches even at the major league level. And, and I've tried to tell people, you know, the, the last time that I was told what pitch to call was probably even before my junior year of college, because once my junior year of college happened, I got a little bit more free reign to do what I wanted. But anyway, to go back to what you were saying, 100 percent, I think it hurts. I think catchers have a way of kind of figuring it out um, a little bit quicker because we're going to be playing closer to every day. But as a a starter that goes every fifth or sixth day coming out of college now, I think that the trust factor that um, could have been learned for three years in the college game, three or four years in the college game, I think takes a little bit um, longer to get acclimated to with their catcher because there's not that third wheel that's kind of implementing their ideas as well. And I think there's a communication and there's a style that you have to learn um, as battery mates that – it's going to take a little bit more time once you get into pro Bowl if you've never had it prior to it. So, again, these are that, that's kind of the basics of it in my opinion. We could probably go into more um, you know intimate details right. on what happens and the consequences of it, but yeah, there's there's a lot to that for sure.
0: Um, okay, uh, last couple of things I want to ask you about. Uh, and look, everybody's different, but 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 one thing they all are is young, and that's this group of starting pitchers. Uh, you, you knew about Hunter Green before the season started. We knew about Nick Lodolo. Uh, we knew about Graham Ashcraft. We did not know so much about Andrew Abbott. I mean, yeah, he'd been really good in the minor leagues, but we hadn't seen him in the big leagues yet. And Williamson, who comes over in a trade. For, for you know, without asking you each guy specifically, but if there was one thing that each of these guys would able to take from last year into this year, what's the next big step for those guys, do you think? Or, or young pitchers in general who are getting a chance to compete on a daily basis. And obviously I'm putting the health issue aside. Good Lord willing, all those guys are back and healthy and they're doing all right.
4: Yeah. I mean, where my mind keeps going when you ask that question is one thing has already been accomplished and it took me about six or seven years of my career before I had a chance to experience it. And that's, they've played in meaningful games like really meaningful games already. They've had to pitch in games that are tight, where we're stretching them out a little bit because our bullpen is, you know, in the position that they're in at the time, for example. Um, And we have to win this game because we're trying to pitch in October, play in October. So for them to be such young players and get a taste of that is they're so far ahead of the curve, you have no idea. Um, I think taking their game to the next level in all facets is important. But I think it's a lot of little things. I think it's controlling running game, which, you know, count on a catcher to bring that up first, I guess. But <laughs> it's important. And it's uh, if you watch the playoffs that are going on right now, 90 feet means a lot. And, you know, just because it's June on a Tuesday afternoon and not, you know, October under the bright lights doesn't mean that it's less important. So doing little things like that, fielding their position. Um, and then I just think, getting used to making pitches when you're tired or when you don't have your best stuff and and you're not able to kind of hide. Um, I think in the minor leagues, there's sort of this, well, if I don't get out of it, I'm not scheduled to go back out next inning anyway, so what? Um, whereas in the majors, it's, it's obviously different than that. So just a lot of little things that add up to, to some bigger stuff. Did you come up with the nickname America's Team? That was more of a Will Myers thing, I got to tell you. I mean, okay, Will and I right. were kind of You've been given credit it. for it. You know that. Uh, I know I've been given credit for it. I definitely spread it a little bit more because Will was banged up at the time. But Will, Will said it once. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I, I just started absolutely dying in the dug. I was like, that's perfect. So we started kind of saying it together. But I definitely have to give him first dibs on that. I, I can't take full credit.
0: All right, well, I just wanted to get that story straight because I've seen where you got credit for it. I thought Jonathan India might have been a part of that whole thing. I didn't know, but they say that uh, that you took over and just had such incredible leadership down in that clubhouse when they needed a guy who's 30-something, you know, to sort of navigate through this whole thing. Because, I mean, man, you know, most of those games, the last two months of the season, you're looking around at guys who are 21, 22, 23 years old at virtually every position on the entire field.
4: It's amazing how much the game has changed. Um, in 2017, I was with Toronto and we were the, um, you know, on average, we were the oldest on average team in the big leagues. The following year, we were the youngest, um, just in a matter of a few months. And ever since then, it, it feels like I have just become a veteran virtually overnight and, and by default mainly. Um, last year with Cleveland, I was the oldest position player on uh, the whole playoff roster. Um it just it happens so incredibly fast but to your point about the Reds it's like you just kind of have gotten used to it. And there's a few teams left that still have, you know, quite a bit of veteran presence but in general anywhere you go um if you're 30 or over you kind of feel like you're the outlier. So I just have gotten used to it, I guess. All right,
0: last two things I'm going to ask you. Any rooting interest in the NLCS tonight game 7?
4: None whatsoever. Uh, okay. I know I know a lot of guys on both teams. Um you know, I really, uh, I will say this. It, it's cool that they're getting the chance to play that game in Philadelphia, which, um, you know, as you know, playoffs are always going to be important. But when you play it in a really special city like that, that has so much passion, I think that's uh, thats an energy that you can't really match.
0: Okay, last thing, uh, you have to be an armchair quarterback somewhere. What do you think of your Cincinnati Bengals? We talked about their schedule coming up here. I'm assuming you're a fan. Maybe I shouldn't assume that.
1: No, What do you think
0: of the Bengals here getting ready for this final 11-game run?
4: Well, you've seen a lot of football in your day. I should probably ask you. But, you know, as an armchair quarterback, kind of, and and prefacing it with, I haven't seen nearly as many snaps as I probably should have. We've been moving around quite a bit and, and all that, but... I think that uh, Burrow looks uh, healthier from what I can gather. I think their offensive line has blocked a little bit better for him, and those two things pretty much have spelled, uh, you know, the Bengals' success or lack thereof the last couple of years, right? So I think if they can protect Joe, um, good things almost always happen. They just have too many weapons, and I think the defense is real. I feel like they've played some really good defense. Again, you know better than I do. No, but, you're right. Uh, seeing if- Seeing a couple of highlights, I think the defense is a real defense and probably one of the more underrated parts uh, of the team.
0: See, now what Pat McAfee has and Aaron Rodgers, we're hoping that this show off the bench moving forward down the road, we can catch up more with Luke (laughs) Maley, and you can be like our guy. So one last question from Molly. She pays $5 in a Super Chat to know, Luke, would you rather hit a home run or throw out – A really good base dealer on the base pass in a tight game.
4: Uh, I I would take throwing somebody out in a tight game. Hitting a home run, there's nothing like it. And uh, Lord knows that uh, I don't have the most experience in the world hitting them, so I would love to hit more of them. (laughs) But when you fire somebody out in a tight game, and that's kind of uh, why they give you the uniform, um, that one hits home a little bit harder, I got to say.
0: All right. Luke, we can't thank you enough for your time today, man. I know it was a last-minute ask and everything, and uh, really, really appreciate it. And the best to you and your family during the offseason. We'll look forward to seeing you out in Goodyear, Arizona, come the spring.
4: Sounds great, Tom. Great talking to you, and I'll come by anytime.
0: All right, man. Thank you. Luke Maley. Boy, that was great stuff. What a good dude, right? Very, very I've, I've, good. Never, I've never been around him. I mean, you know, I was, I was fired by that. Uh, and uh, the, the, what a good dude. He
5: Seems like a great dude. You know those catchers—they're—they're they're, they're humble guys. They're humble guys, hard-working guys.
3: I Which love. Luke. Which
0: normally means you wouldn't like him, but go ahead.
3: <laughs> I love Luke Maylie. I'll buy a Luke Maylie jersey tomorrow. I will buy a Luke Maylie jersey tomorrow. I think he was the best catcher last season, without a doubt. Uh, and, and again, that's that's my personal opinion. But I, I thought I thought I thought he was great. The, the pitchers loved him, so that was the most important part. I'm glad he's back. I'm very glad that. Well, Luke a minute, Didn't
0: around. you have to apologize to him at the end of the year? Someone no, brought that up in the I, chat, no, and I didn't no, know no. where it I was because I stepped
3: out of my lane
0: yesterday a no, little bit.
3: No, no, no. I did not shame Luke Maley at all. Luke Mayley was phenomenal the whole year round. The whole year round. Absolutely not. I did apologize to Will Myers, though.
5: One thing that he brought up um, about catching, and this is something, you know, I certainly didn't play same level but I caught in college and, and in high school and, and people do ask you a lot about like calling pitches and stuff like that and there's kind of this moniker around catchers that they've got to be this like hearted guys towards pitchers. like hey you you throw what I called and there certainly are some catchers out there but in my experience the best catchers that I that, that I knew that, that called great games what they did is they treated pitchers kind of like kids right when you're a parent you got to let a kid make a mistake so, what, when I used to call pitches, and like I said, the best catchers that I know, they would call pitches, and sometimes a pitcher would shake you off and be like, all right, you don't want to throw this pitch. you Throw what you want to throw. And then a dude would hit a ball in the gap and you go like, hey, listen, remember, remember my suggestion? Maybe you should listen to me more yep. often. That's what I've noticed about the best catchers, and I think Luke um, hit home that point a little bit. Sometimes you got to let pitchers make mistakes.
3: I agree. I agree.
0: Casey, you started following baseball for the first time really this year. You went to a ton of games this year, which I, I did. might add. You did. You became a big-time fan. Are you an even bigger fan now of one Luke Mailey?
2: Tom, absolutely. One of the biggest fans now. Any Anytime a player comes on our show, I mean, they, they've got my absolute respect. Right, well,
0: then let me ask you this. If that's the case, so could the same be true for coaches? Oh, no. Yeah,
2: same could be said for coaches.
0: Same thing. Same I fact. didn't mean to interrupt you, but so yeah. now you like Luke Mailey. Yeah, I like Luke Maley.
2: I think he, he's a gamer,
0: right? No He's, he's, a, doubt gamer. About it. he's a gamer. He all is. catchers are gamers. All catchers are gamers. Yes. You're right, Tom. There's You're no right, doubt Tom. about it. I was a catcher, too. I loved it. My son was a catcher all the years I coached baseball. Love it. Everybody says, though, all you want is uh, the only guy you want is Dansby Swanson. <laughs> listen,
5: listen. <laughs> people, people said Reed would rather have Dansby Swanson than Luke Maley. Love Luke Maley to death. But, yeah, I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah, I'd rather have Dansby Swanson than Luke Maley.
3: I'd rather have Luke Maley.
5: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. Listen, I, I know I get a bad rep because we, we, we've been using this word a lot, troll here. And I do troll Reds fans. It's too much fun. You guys are, are, are too much fun to mess with. I don't hate the Reds. I don't – people think I hate the Reds. I don't hate the Reds whatsoever. All my friends, all my family, everyone I like, everyone I love is a Reds fan. So it's hard for me to hate the Reds. I just prefer another team. That's all it is.
2: I mean, you hate other teams in the division, right? Like you hate the Cardinals more I than hate you the hate – I hate the Cardinals yeah. way
0: more.
5: Way more. Way more. The, the, the team, in all honesty, the, the fan base that I hate the most in any sport is the Steelers. But that's neither here nor. Mouse me.
0: Cop says you're lying. <laughs>
3: of course Mouse Cop did. Who do you think the next red will be that who do you think the next red will be that will get re signed?
0: You mean to a, a, a multi year contract? Yes. They only have two guys.
3: And really, I don't even know. I guess
0: like I said, in theory, you could say this is a multi year deal for Maley. It's a team option. Okay, so he's going to be paid guaranteed this year. And if the team says yes, the only two guys on the entire team that have a guaranteed contract are Maley and Hunter Green. That's it. They got 10 players that can go to salary arbitration. None of the guys that were the big young stars. I mean, not Steer and not De La Cruz and not McLean and not Marte. None of those guys can go to salary arbitration. I don't know if India is falling. Yeah, third-year player. Yeah, he would fall into an arbitration arbitration, case. So they got 10 of those guys, guys like Fraley, right? Uh, and a bunch of guys on the, the pitching staff, especially veteran guys down there. Um, so, you know, look, they, they got to cross that bridge when they come to it. And we see how it goes and what they're going to decide to do with some of those guys. Because, you know, you look at a guy like Fraley, for example. I thought during most of this season that you could make the argument for. And there are others you can make the argument for. I thought you could have made the argument for when we hit August and they were really playing well that he was the most valuable player on the team. He was leading the team in home runs. There
3: was a point, yeah.
0: He was leading the team in RBIs. You know, those two big categories, I know they're not everything, but they're pretty damn important because you're scoring runs on swings of the bat and driving guys in to score runs. And you can't win if you don't score. And so a guy like him, you know, you're going to go to arbitration with him or are you going to say, you know what, um, we're going with Will Benton.
5: Tom, Thomas Moore legend Jake Seaman wants you to explain salary arbitration. For those who don't know.
0: Salary arbitration is basically uh, based upon, and there are, there are specific times, service time in the big leagues, where um, there are super two exceptions, but I'm going to stay away from what that means. But basically what it means is after a guy's been in the league three years, four years, five years, at the end of those seasons, if you haven't signed into a long-term deal, which some teams do with young players, like Albies, like Acuna. In so awesome what happens is at the end of a season, you go in front of an arbitrator, independent arbitrator agreed upon, and there are a laundry list of them coast to coast because you have different hearings in different cities. So if I'm Luke Maley's um, agent, Right, I will come in and present a case why he should make $3 million next year, even though he just made 600000 last year. The Reds would walk in the door, and they would give information to the same arbitrator um, of why he should make $1.1 million. So the team will pick a number. The player will pick a number. And there's nothing in between. It's one or the other. Once it gets into the arbitration uh, judge's hands, they will listen to the listen to the evidence, and then they will say, Okay, I'm siding with Maley, he deserves three million bucks. And then they gotta pay him. They gotta pay him. Once you make the decision, it is a binding arbitration. Then you'll do the same thing after the fourth year, and the same thing after the fifth year. And then after the sixth year, a player becomes a free agent. So that in essence is arbitration one oh one.
5: And uh, there's times where a lot of times teams don't like to go actually to arbitration. So a lot of times, like, the, yes. the player will will do a high number and then the team will do a really low number and then they'll come together and like, hey, let's not go to arbitration. Let's just meet in the middle. So say 5 million um, is the team's – the player says 10 million. They say, all right, let's just do 7.5. Is that deal? And they, they, they shake hands because there has been some times – we saw this with the Brewers and Corbin Burns last year where the arbitration talks can get a little nasty. Carbon, Corbin Burns felt – betrayed by the brewers in the evidence that they brought up to in their arbitration meetings last year i don't know if you remember that well
0: that's been the problem with arbitration for a long long time that if players decide they're going to go to the actual arbitration hearing
4: Mm -hmm.
0: okay now naturally their agent could tell them everything that was said but when players walk in that door and they basically hear, and this is one of the screwed up things about the whole process, but hey, this was negotiated. This is what the players union wanted. And look, the player makes out in the deal more times than not because they go from making 500000 and they have a big year after their second or third year. And now all of a sudden they're arbitration eligible. They're comparing their numbers in their first three years in the big leagues to all the other guys at the catcher position, and they say this guy deserves $3.5 million. Or in some cases, they go from making $1.1 or $1.2 after their first year of arbitration to the next year jumping up to 10 or $11 million, which is why a lot of teams sign young players to long-term deals like the Reds did with Hunter Green. The player is giving up free agency if you sign a seven-year deal right so you can't leave after six or if you're signing an eight or a nine-year deal you're giving up your right to go to arbitration you're giving up your right to go to free agency however long that deal lasts but the player is getting security of if say hunter green all of a sudden he's injured he can never pitch again good lord willing that never happens but hunter green is going to be paid $100 million or whatever that contract was, 70, 80 million bucks, guaranteed no matter what over the lifetime of that contract. Most teams and players don't like to go to arbitration because you have to say things about your own player that if anybody else said about him, you'd want to fight him. Right. Right? And when you're the player, Corbin Burns, and you're, you, you just want to Cy Young and you have pitched your ass off of this team and giving you everything they got, then they're walking in the door and saying all the reasons to this judge why you don't deserve the money. Guys don't like hearing it. Right. It's like your boss. I mean, it's like, like Trace.
5: Right, yeah. It, I mean, it, it,
0: he never calls you out, calls me out. He calls the way. me out
5: plenty of times. But uh
0: but you know what I'm getting at? Yeah,
5: here. it it it'd be just like if if your if your boss is going to his boss and arguing about what you should be making and <laughs> you're sitting in on that meeting and 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 you hear the reasons why you shouldn't be, it it's not going to make for a pleasant or a comfortable experience. So that's why oftentimes these teams avoid arbitration.
0: Tim says Will Spencer steer be the National League rookie of the year? No chance. None.
5: He'll probably finish 3rd. Somewhere around there, but in voting, but yeah, he won't.
0: No, the winner is going to be in right field for Arizona tonight. Landslide. That might be unanimous.
5: Corbin Carroll will win it. Uh, Singa from the Mets will probably finish in second. Then Spencer Steer will be right around third.
0: But yeah. Steer had a great year, though. No doubt about that. Great, great season.
5: Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: Um, Okay. Anybody else here with anything? Uh, Casey, a lot of people want to know, do you have your show?
2: That's on Wednesday. My show tomorrow is night on, is it back. Is on Wednesdays 7:30 p p not a p. Jacob, he's on a hot streak giving out props. I gave out that parlay that I hit big money on. six hundred. Yeah. You guys should watch when we have time to research these games on the primetime games, the Thursday night games. Me and Jacob are just on fire. We have, not, we have not, like, lost a bet, given out, like, our top props or top picks
3: in probably, like, four or five weeks.
0: How does that stack up with you, Zebra? I've,
3: they're better. I, Tom, Tom, you ask me this every day. It doesn't change. I much. know
0: because I want to know if something happened the night before. I, I'll tell
3: you what. I'll tell you what. Last night I did win a bet. I did win a parlay last night. But nice. it doesn't change the fact, Tom, that I am the world's worst gambler. There's nobody worse than I. If I had to gamble off with somebody, I'd lose. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. And I try my hardest. Sometimes it's about, you know, I've always said this. Gambling is about the friends you make along the way. It's not about the wins or losses. It's about the friends you make along the way. And I've made a lot of friends, Tom, a whole bunch of them.
5: If they gave you nine years and all the time and money in the world to perfect your craft, do you think you could win the gambling master's?
3: No, no. Nope. I, and you know what I'd do if they did that? I'd put it all on day one. I would put every dollar, yep. every fund, I put it all on first pitch under, which I will be doing tonight, Tom, for game seven, you know, first pitch under for, uh, sorry. First inning under first okay. inning under. Now what first is pitch. it tonight? What well, is it?
5: It's, it's, it's just that they will or will not score a run. So okay. My,
0: so that's a straight up money line yeah. that nobody's going to score in the first inning. Yes. Okay.
2: Right. No, before we move on, I just want to actually thank Reed because we were talking about doing picks for the, the um, Monday night game, and he said something to me that, you know, very much me, I find something I really like, and I just put a bunch of legs together and make a parlay of it, and he's like, why don't you just bet those singles? So I bet pretty much the entire parlay as singles, and lo and behold, I win a lot of money just doing that alone. So huh. thank you, Reed, for doing that. Huh. Thank Thank I've been trying to
5: that. get you two guys in the room to bet singles for a long time and you you won't do it. You won't do it. I'm just it,
3: <laughs> Here's the thing about a parlay though. Uh, it means more. It's more magical <laughs> when it hits. If I bet sure. if I bet x unit on a straight bet and I win it it's like I mean what did I really even accomplish? But if I hit a parlay. You bet a
5: little more when you bet
3: straights, but if I hit a not me, if I hit a parlay then I win 10 times my the money I put in it's 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 a phenomenal thing. Yeah. Yeah,
5: I, yeah I, unfortunately I, it hasn't worked for me. I've been a, yeah, I've been I I I'll I'll send my uh my picket in the the discord later. I sent this month and I've sent I could set my year to date. It's it's pretty good. So Are you uh, over the tax line? I said that tax. What's the tax line?
3: I think it's 1000. Oh yeah. Look at this guy. <laughs> Look at this guy. I think this I'm, is Big Bucks McGee.
5: I think I'm up 3500 on the year.
3: What? Yeah. That's preposterous. Yeah.
5: Yep, that's phenomenal. I'm up. I'm up like 1,100 this month. How's that even possible? On $25 bets. All
3: right. Well, I'm just gonna tell they Reed run. then. I'm gonna get on him. Good luck. Because I don't a-
5: bet parlays. I don't know what to tell you good guys. Good luck I don't trying to-, to win
3: a bet when I'm on your shoulders, pal. No chance. No chance. No chance. <laughs>
5: I'll I'll send I'll I'll send my picket in the the Discord later. I feel I feel really good. I feel really good. Listen, guys. We we're gonna talk uh, power rankings later on. Um, to, to kind of close up the show and wrap up the show tomorrow. And Just we you guys some. Yeah, we got a mailbag. We've, uh, we've got some programming note tomorrow. I believe we're going to have Marty on later this week. We're going to have a, a Bengals beat writer on. We should have a good week. Big game guys. I, I know we talked earlier about the Bengals season, but you look at the schedule and Tom put this in the monologue. The Bengals play only two teams the rest of the year that are currently under 500. That's going to change. We know that, but it's the Vikings and the Colts who aren't slouches. We know that. The Bengals have to play their best ball going forward, and I, 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 they've got to win two of the next three games, I think, to have a legitimate shot. Casey? Yeah, I mean, I,
2: that what they need to do is start winning some conference games. Like, if they lose against the 49ers and beat the Bills, I'll be more happy with them than if they win against the 49ers and lose the Bills because then they would be 0-4 in the conference and any sort of tiebreaker for wild card seating or anything like that just kind of goes out the window. They have to beat – they have to make it out of the stretch four and four, and they have to at least beat the Bills. That's my wish list. I think that's reasonable. Um, I'm not saying that the 49ers are out of question either. It's just I think that game is way more important. And it's a Sunday night game. There's so much riding on it. Um, Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Sunday – 49ers, really big deal. I'm really hoping that the Bengals can can come out and just look different than they have the first six weeks.
5: Let's, let, we've got a three-game stretch, and the Bengals have to take every game one week at a time because that's just the, – the schedule's so tough. They play a lot of good uh, teams. You
0: sound like Zach Taylor.
5: Well, I mean, what are we talking about, Tom? <laughs> it's, one, it's one one step, one, one punch, one round at a time, whatever that phrase is, and we're going to take the same aspect. They've got to play every game every Sunday. But – You can't help but look at the next three games. And if they can get to five and four in the next three games, two and one, um, beating the Texans and then splitting with the 49ers and Bills, however they get to five and four, you got to feel very happy about that outcome coming into these next three games.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, By the way, just uh, Zebra – Nick Mormon says he's fourteen and six on hockey picks so far this year.
3: I'll tell Nick Mormon if Nick Mormon sends me a DM my way, I'm gonna take it. I feel like Nick gives out uh, his picks
2: on the show quite often. Who me? No, Nick. Uh, Well, I just
3: the the chat goes away, so I can't take pictures of it while I'm while I'm here. But I would like to. I would like to. All right, Uh, NFL Power Ranking time. Here we go. Here we go. Casey, are we ready to go? Yeah, we're ready. Who's up first? Who Who wants to go first? I'll go
5: first. We doing college or NFL?
3: NFL. Do NFL
5: first. Let's do NFL. All Everyone right. loves the NFL. Come bring it over here. So this is my top five. I made a mistake, and I'm and I'm ready to admit that the Bills are not a top five team in the NFL. I said they were the second best team in the league last year. Yes, you that did. That was ill advised. Now I say that and I admit that they are still one of the best heavyweights heavyweights in the league. They can knock any team. On their tail, they can not only win against every team in the league, they can beat every team by multiple, by double digits, by multiple scores. So they're just so inconsistent, I can't put them in the top five. We have two new teams in the top five. The Baltimore Ravens, I can't put them higher than four because I'm scared about their quarterback injury situation. We've seen this Ravens team. When they have Lamar Jackson on the field, they're one of the best teams in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but wait a minute now. We're doing this where they are today.
5: Yeah, I'm, if you want me to I'm, – I'm doing this on who I think are the top five teams in the NFL. Today. Today. All right. And when Lamar Jackson's on the field, they're a top five team. When okay. he's not on the field, which he might get hurt next week or two weeks later down the road, yeah, I, I can't put them any higher than where they're at right now. Some people are going to want to be sour on the 49ers because they've lost their last two games. Uh, you, could, you could go ahead and pencil in the 49ers on an NFC championship bid. Like, I, I think they're still that good. They are just so talented everywhere around. That's a tall task for the Bengals this Sunday. I'm keeping the 49ers at three. Jaguars, while they don't have that many impressive wins, they still are a team that playing a bad division. This is a team that's going to win 12 games because of that division.
0: Well, they beat Buffalo.
5: They did beat Buffalo. They did beat Buffalo. Um, but as for the top two teams, I don't know how you could put anybody besides the Eagles and the Chiefs. Everyone, every single one, you guys. Told me the Chiefs' offense doesn't look very good. The Chiefs' offense is second in the league in yards per game.
0: Their oh, issue, their issues have been, which are fair. They, they have even sc- talked about it on the game the other day. Nance and Romo. Their issues have been in the red zone.
5: Here's the thing, though, Tom. Scoring points. I don't think, touchdowns. I don't think the Chiefs, and this is this is maybe a wild take. I don't think the Chiefs have any interest in kicking the brakes off, beating the brakes off of teams. I think the Chiefs go into every game, do what it takes to win. That's what I've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got a lead late. They're good with just winning the game. They've got nothing to prove. They're the Super Bowl champs. They've been to five consecutive AFC Championship games. They win the game. They move on. They don't need to score 40 points a game. They don't. I think they can. They can. I think they're, t- they're that talented. I think Patrick Mahomes is still to this day, I've said this, you guys laugh at me, he's the best quarterback I've, I've ever seen play the game of football. Now, I don't know how, how well it's going to age. I don't know. He's certainly not going to have the career that Tom Brady had because Tom Brady was great until his 40s. But as of right now, when I watch Patrick Mahomes play, he is absolutely incredible. He's doing it with almost no wide receivers. And everyone's telling me, oh, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're not very good. They're not very they, – they haven't looked like the same team. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? The Philadelphia Eagles are still the best team in the NFC. So that's my top five.
0: All right. Good top five. Elliot. Here we go. Oh, wait. We got a su- uh, ch- uh, Chicago real estate super chat. Says, remember, civilians don't represent their leaders' actions. Civilians don't represent their leaders' actions. Love each other because no one makes it out alive. What is that from? I have no idea. Is that Band of Civilians Brothers?
5: Civilians don't represent their leaders' actions. Are you saying that we don't represent what our politicians do that we elect? Oh, that hey, you're
0: all getting what you voted for right now. So go ahead. Elliot. next up. You're what all getting the what you voted what for was, I'm so curious ago. about that. What was the
3: context? <laughs> of all, all getting you what you out. voted for. What was the context of it? All right, here's the top five. Uh, Chiefs are number one. I agree with Reid. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback of all time. The Chiefs are damn good. We're not out here for 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 mercy rule points. They're just doing their job, and they're moving on. Uh, the Eagles are damn good. They're number two. Jalen Hurts, love him. He has had a turnover issue. He's thrown a lot. Of, I think he's at now eight interceptions through seven weeks. Not good. Not good for Jalen Hurts. But Eagles are still very good, an elite defense. And really, DeAndre Swift has been underrated this year, too. Phenomenal running back. Uh, 49ers, I don't care if they lose four more in a row. 49ers are good, and I don't want to play them ever. So... I, I think Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. So many talents. The so lot talent. of them. The, 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 the whole defense. The whole defense. 49ers, damn good. Ravens, they've moved up. They are now in the top five. Lamar Jackson, like Tom said yes, on yesterday's show, is an MVP candidate. He's playing lights out. If the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson, that team wins zero games. Zero. So, Lamar Jackson carrying the load. Doesn't have a receiver to throw to. Love them. They're 5-2. and two, Playing the hardest division of football. Now we have the Browns. Now the regular Browns wouldn't be in here. But if the Browns are playing <laughs> and then the refs throw them the game, I love the Browns in the top 5 in the NFL. Love it. If the Browns have the backing of the NFL referees, they are going to they are going to go very far this season, Tom. Very far.
0: Interesting point. Um <laughs> Casey, did you do a top five or no? No, list. I do. I do a stink, you have list, the stink but list. We'll do tomorrow, right? Yep, yeah, stink list is tomorrow. Okay, here's my top five. I'll keep it short and sweet, and we'll get to the college. Chiefs one, Eagles two. No debate about that. Uh, Ravens, I have three. I, I'm a big, big believer in the Ravens. I think they're really good. I agree. with I mean, you. look at those numbers. Ninth in offense. All the injuries. They've had offensive linemen miss numerous games, starters, important guys, left tackle. J.K. Dobbins down for the year, and then defense, number two. The only reason I give the Dolphins, I think if they yeah, played, the 49ers would drill them. The only reason I put the 49ers behind the Dol- or the Dolphins ahead of the 49ers, was because the Dolphins' two losses have come to Philadelphia and to Buffalo whereas the Niners' two losses have come to Cleveland with a backup quarterback, journeyman quarterback uh, last week and then last night to a uh, less, a, an average, an average Minnesota team. Tom, can you explain to me, and, and, and I know
5: Elliot's big on the Dolphins too, can, can someone explain to me why, why we're, we're putting this Dolphins team on the pedestal? They're 5-2 and two this year. If you win in the NFL, you deserve credit. But they played two competent teams, and they lost by 28 and 14. The teams that they've beaten this year, an under and an underperforming, an under 500 Chargers team, and then the Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, the Panthers, all four of the five worst teams in the league. So where are, why are we putting this Dolphins team up on the pedestal? Is it because they scored 70 points in an NFL game? Certainly a, certainly a, a feat. But every time we put them in a big-time game, they lose.
3: I think they lose. this is an offensive league. I think if you look at the Dolphins, they have the best offense in the league. That's my opinion. I think the Dolphins at any point, at any moment, can break out and score fifty a game. I, that's what well, I think. They scored ten against
5: the Eagles on, on Sunday Night Football. Their offense did. They scored seventeen, but it was one was. No, on yeah, but state. he's
0: saying they're capable. They're of it. capable of it.
5: I I don't know if we've seen that. I don't I don't know if we've seen that against a good defense. Okay. Because we're talking about playing the wor- the Chargers, who are a terrible defense. The Patriots have an okay defense, but they're a bad team. They only scored, they scored 24 in that game. And then the Giants, Broncos, and Panthers? I, 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 I guess I just need to see more from the Dolphins. If they beat a Kansas City Chiefs, if they, and I'm looking at their schedule. If they take on the Ravens and the Cowboys later in the year, the Bills in the, the season, if they beat one of those teams, put up 30-plus points, I'll take back what I'm saying right now. But at this point, I don't think the Dolphins have a leg to stand on when we talk about how highly potent this offense is.
0: Okay. All right, well, we're going to find out. There's no doubt about that. By the way, the Brownies this weekend, will they have the referees on their side in Seattle on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Um, Underdogs okay. in that game. college football. I'll start with mine here, Casey. All right. I'm going to always keep Georgia until they lose. They've won back-to-back national championships. They're staying number one. Ohio State leapfrogs Michigan just because of the quality of opponents that they have beaten this year. Michigan, number three, haven't played anybody. Florida State, one big win this year. I mean, they've won them all. Give them credit. But their biggest win the first game of the year, no doubt, over LSU. Uh, And they had an impressive win over Duke over the weekend. Uh, and then Washington, phenomenal win two weeks ago over Oregon. And then lucky to get out with a win scoring 15 points against Arizona State. All right. Reed? Yeah,
5: everyone comes to this show to hear about what I have to say about college football. That's right. So Very let's serious. go ahead and do my Very college. Serious. Yep, yep. So my top five rankings— Coming in at number one, Michigan. They know every single play that the opposing team's going to play. <laughs> that how helps. Not, that how helps. can you not say that the number one team That is very <laughs> Then you've got Georgia. Georgia is going to be in the national championship. They're certainly going to be in the college football playoff. Um, as of this moment, they'll probably have one scare for the rest of this year. They'll probably have a game going to the fourth quarter. But other than that, they'll, they'll kick the tails off of everybody there in the SEC. Ohio State, all joking aside, we know my feelings about Ohio State. They have two very impressive wins. Beating Penn State and uh, beating Notre Dame. The thing I like about Ohio State is how different the team looks. It's not just some great offense that you're hoping can outscore everyone. This is a real-deal defense, and I think real-deal defenses in, in college football go a lot further. So. Well, it's interesting.
0: I, just look at the column on the right right there. I know we're yeah. only through seven weeks, right? But of your top three teams, my top three too, right? Right. One, four, five defense. Ohio University, number six.
5: That's true. That's true. Florida State. I, I got to put them in the top five just because they're undefeated today. They have the win over LSU. They're going to win the ACC. Um, but our Bluffton Beavers, Tom, they got a big win on homecoming this sat, last Saturday. Were you there? Yeah, the you're nice. I was not there, but I did see highlights. It was all over the internet. Casey, do you have this? Tom, look how this Bluffton Beavers game over the Manchester Spartans ended.
0: Is that Manchester United? Manchester <laughs> University,
5: with where Steve Alford started his coaching career. Coming in right at the end. Boom. <laughs> Manchester, dirty players up there in Manchester, Indiana. Listen, you don't mess with the Bluffton Beaver. You don't mess with the Bluffton Beaver. That's a, that's a brawl right there, Tom. That
0: guy right there would have whipped the entire Bluffton team's ass. No. Nope. Just nope. watching him wanting to nope. square off. He wasn't backing down. A cheap shot, I'll give you that.
5: It was a cheap shot. And really Man, cheap Man, shot. Manchester's 0-8, so they're a very good team, and that's a big win for the Bluffton Beavers. <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing is, Tom, in case you could stop playing the, the clip, is I learned firsthand— that you don't mess with Bluffton Bluffton football players. They did The whole Bluffton football team did not like old Rita Roo when I was up there in college for four years. There was several times where I was at the, the wrong, off.
3: wrong end of a fight. So, yeah. Was it, was it the most beloved guy? You mess with a beaver, you get the horns. That's what I've that's, always said. That's exactly always... right. <laughs> Casey, my top five, college football. Again, I'm, I'm the biggest college football fan in the world. Here we go. Number one, Georgia. They're the best program in the country. It's not really close. They've won a couple back-to-back national championships. They're going to win a third in a row this year. Florida State, another big win there for Florida State. I love them. Nobody talks about them enough. I love them. They're number two. Number three, Michigan. I have Michigan in the top five primarily, primarily because they do everything the right way. This is an honest program. They're a a stand-up program. They've got a great leader at the helm. Uh, Everybody knows that Michigan's a a family value-first program, and that's what I respect about them. They're top five because of that. Number four in making the college football playoff as of right now is Bluffton. You just saw the hit. Again, you mess with the beaver. You get the woodchuck. That's what you're seeing here. Build the dam. You build the dam. Build that dam. The Bluffton Beavers (laughs) fear the beaver. So, at number five, we have James Madison. Nobody's going to talk about James Madison up here. They upset Utah State. They're in the top 25 of the real – college of Kirk Herbstreit's college football rankings. Yep. So, they're top 25, but I think they're better than that. I think they're number five. And number six is Northern Illinois after a massive win against the, the Ohio's best team. Second best team. No, no, no. Ohio's best team. Tom told me that. They were Ohio's best team in the Bobcats. After beating them, they beat – one of the other directional schools, who I don't remember, but they beat him this week, and it was—I think it was Eastern Michigan. That's who it was. Eastern Michigan, Northern Illinois, which is the battle of the directions. Northern Illinois won. Top <laughs> what six. Win. What a win! What a win!
0: And now, and now, Casey, we're ready to do a serious show, and we've got Bluffton and talk about—I s- mean, serious.
5: All seriousness, Tom. We're doing a serious show. Manchester University. Fun fact: That's where Steve Alford. Uh, got his coaching career after his uh, short NBA stint. He's, he coached there for two years, won two national championships. That's about that? NBA. Yeah. Big time. And,
3: we'll, we'll spe- and time. speaking of serious talk show, Casey, you know what time it is? What time is it? It's mail time. Oh, oh man. Here we that go. It's mail time. It's a Let it roll. Very serious sports very talk sure. show. Let it roll. Very serious. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who It's that's from. from. What a song. What an elite song. All right. Great song. We've got a letter. We've got a letter. Today's mailbag comes from Sweet Little Donald. Sweet Little Donald from Mrs. Duck's class. Little Donald says he has had trouble sleeping. His dad and mom have tried various remedies, including NyQuil, trying to count sheep, and limiting his espresso intake to only five cups a day. <laughs> Donnie says the reason he's had issues sleeping is because he's a lifelong, Lakers, a lifelong Lakers fan, and outside of a fake championship in the bubble, LeBron James is tarnishing the legacy of a once-great franchise. Will the Lakers turn it around this year, and it starts tonight because I didn't know this, Tom, and shout-out little Donald from Mrs. Duck's class. It's the start of the NBA season. Yes. Yeah. How about that? So will the Lakers have a bounce back year under the leadership of LeBron James? (laughs) Tom, to to you.
0: Well, as a parent myself, I'm glad there's something to be said. Maybe I should consider this for myself. I'm not an espresso guy. I'm a regular UDF coffee guy. But clearly my racing back and forth out of this room on a regular basis probably needs to be trimmed down a little bit too much caffeine. Uh, but it's nice to know that little Donald is down to fewer than five cups of espresso per day. Right. Let's start with that. Good yeah. parenting. Good parenting. Very good. Nothing better than loading them up with wall before <laughs> time to, <go> to bed. <laughs> um, look, you're not going to hear me. You know, I'm not, I mean, look, I may not like some of the things the guy says or maybe does. He does a lot of great things. Some of the things I may not agree with politically, whatever it might be. But dude, you can't beat down LeBron. I mean, come on. Everywhere the guy goes, he's getting to the NBA finals. I mean, come on. That's why he's the greatest of all time. It's
5: well I mean come, I about, come on. I don't know, I know about it. that. But I know thing, it. but I the thing it. about LeBron is that out of all of the the guys that we want to put on a pedestal, right, out of all of these great athletes that have, that have done so much and have been in the limelight for 20-plus years like LeBron has, LeBron's biggest, um, I guess, downfall is he's a little political. I mean, we're talking about guys that have been in legal troubles. We're talking about guys that have had family problems, not LeBron.
0: No. LeBron
5: has been a squeaky clean reputation. Yep. His entire life. And, no and doubt. We we're talking about a guy who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was 16 years old. So, th- if there's anybody that you should look up to, in all, in all seriousness, and I.
0: There's no doubt.
5: You should look up to LeBron. I James. agree with you. Married his high school sweetheart, yep. stayed by her side. Yep. He's he's heavily involved in his kids' lives, yep. the whole nine yards. I
0: agree 100%. Yep.
3: And, and here's the thing he started a school. He started a great school, That's the, right. I believe, school. Uh, every 8th grader failed the state math test. I was getting ready to say,
0: you took the words out of my <laughs> mouth. I don't know about great school.
3: Every 8th grader failed all the math tests. But again, I love LeBron. It's not his job to teach. Like he He funds it. Well, it's his job to get the teachers in there. That's that's fair. Uh,
0: Sir Boy <laughs> Wonder says it perfectly here. He says, there's, there's been no athlete that was given all the hype that has absolutely succeeded mm-hmm. the hype.
5: There's no doubt about it. And that. he has. No doubt about that. I think about uh, I think about guys that that had a lot of hype on the cover of Sports Illustrated. LeBron James comes to mind. Bryce Harper,
3: who's who's, for all intents and purposes, yes, has, I think Bryce uh, Harper might have done it. No, has as LeBron, lived,
5: No, yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't gone past it, but he's he's lived up to the hype that he's yep. had. There's another guy that that comes to mind that was on Sports Illustrated as a high school athlete, Hunter Green.
3: Well, he hasn't lived up to the hype yet. Well, Not uh, yet. he's
0: got some time. He's got time. He's got plenty of time. Um, do we have a um, cherry on top or no today?
2: Well, I, I have something. If those guys don't have anything, you it's do. just going to take me a second to pull it up real okay. quick. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, what does this have to do with? It was just something that happened last night in in, in the Monday night football game.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Do the
5: George Kittle thing. That's funny. That's a fun cherry on top. Tomorrow is 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 well. We'll talk about the the rest of the schedule after the show. All right,
0: real quick. Real quick, give me your predictions tonight, boys, Ooh. for game seven.
5: I was I was dead wrong last the night.
0: The Batland D-Backs, game seven, where, by the way, in the franchise's very short history, in deciding games of postseason series, they're three and one. The Philadelphia Phillies, through its mostly terrible franchise history.
3: That's mean.
0: With Bright, shining moments sprinkled in. Caught back. Um, They're one and two. Now, that doesn't have a damn thing to do with tonight, just FYI. Who are you picking?
5: Uh, I I, I think I'm going to take the Phillies. I I was dead wrong last night. I said the Astros were going to win the World Series. Obviously was wrong about that. Luckily, I didn't bet it. Um, But, yeah, I I want the Phillies to win just because they're a little more exciting, and I hate watching Corbin Carroll play baseball for some reason. So.
3: Why do you hate Corbin Carroll? He's one of the best players.
5: I get it. He's ugly. He's not not personally. I'm saying like, I I hate watching his swing. I hate watching all the things he does. It's not, it's not a pretty, he's not a pretty baseball player. Interesting.
3: Well, it works. Uh, I'm going to take the Phillies. I think the Phillies, like Reed just said, I think they're way more fun. And that's what I'm going with.
5: I love Kyle Schwarber.
0: From Middletown, Ohio.
5: I'll say
0: linebacker. I don't know if you knew that. Linebacker at Middletown.
5: Certainly looks like a linebacker, Tom.
0: Um, Casey, who are you picking tonight? I'm picking the Diamondbacks. Ooh, not a boy. Go D-backs. Go D-backs. Absolutely. Brandon Fat. Go D-backs. Cherry on top. All right, cherry on top. What do we got? George Kittle got a, Kittle got a haircut, or one of those Phillies got a haircut.
5: <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> Who's the
0: one dude with the? I mean, come on, the beard and the hair. All right, who cares.
2: So last night during the game, Brock Purdy throws a high ball to to Kittle. Yep.
5: And, ooh
2: got hit right in the mm. in
1: right
2: the family the, jewels right in the family jewels and we got a good close up of him going oh crap my
1: nuts
2: <laughs> oh crap my nuts just look at this again just oh
5: one <laughs> one quick question i have um about last night's game can uh, can the vikings get in trouble for uh telling tj Hawkinson to go down for the timeout
1: I'm sure yeah, they, they could co- get in trouble, yeah. for sure. Because yeah.
5: sure. ca- it it, they were talking about it like, on air, so I wonder if they're going to get in trouble at all. I mean, they'll take it. Like a they're fine? I will
0: cares. bet they get a fine.
5: Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Um, really appreciate um, all the hard work put in. Casey, Elliot, Reed, everybody getting lined up for um, Luke Maley. Really appreciate him coming on today. Hope you enjoyed it. I, I, I did, very much. He was great. Um, Tomorrow, Marty Brenneman will join the program. He's back from the the, the the man of the seas. The man of the high seas. Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. He's out there. No Miami guys in Nova Scotia. Probably some OU grads lingering around. Not all who wander are lost. Not all who wander are lost. Hmm. Probably some OU grads up there in Nova Scotia, but not anybody from Miami. No chance. Not the common folk. Casey, like you and me. Exactly, Tom. I Public hate for... school guys, the common folk, you and me. We're the only ones left. The only right? ones. The, right. the other elitists went running for the hills, right? Right. Right? Quitter Paul. Gone. <laughs> <Dawn>. Oh, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Hills, right? And you and I are stuck with two. Right? yeah. Parochial Just, school, private school, guys. I didn't grow up on That's the tough. east
5: side of town or the west. I grew up in old Hamiltucky, Tom. I, I don't know what you're talking well,
0: about. Well, we have talked about all the virtues of i That's true. That's true. <laughs> many, many times on this show. All right. Marty Brenneman joins us tomorrow. We're working on some other guests. Uh, have a great rest of your uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow.